Good morning. Good morning, Jake. Glad you made it this Sunday. It's important. You get in trouble with the wife otherwise. I can relate. Spring is coming. I can feel it wanting to come. Maybe that strong south wind we'll have today will bring us some south Florida weather all the way to western Ohio. What do you think? We can hope for it, huh? We can hope for it. For the announcements this morning, there are a few to highlight. We have a couple birthdays to celebrate. Uh, today is my aunt, Diane Fletter John's birthday. She turns a young 80 years old today. Um, maybe she's watching on Facebook. Maybe she's got Brett watching along. He needs some help too, some prayers for his recovery. Uh, but if you see her today or want to reach out, please wish her a happy birthday. A unique one is uh, Ms. Grace Rediger will be selling, celebrating her 21st birthday today. Did you catch that? 21 years today. She is, oh, actually, correct, thank you for correcting me. She is a leap day baby, right? So the 29th is her birthday, so she's one of those rare ones. So wish her happy birthday on Thursday. Happy birthday, Grace. Our daily bread booklets uh, for March to May are available at the entrance and at the info center in the sanctuary. The dates and time for all the Easter services are in the bulletin. One thing to note is that our joint service with the Methodists on Good Friday will be at the Methodist Church at 7.30. So Monday, Thursday is here at First Church at 7, and Good Friday is the Methodist Church at 7.30. The IF gathering, women's conference is March 15th and 16th. Tori, if you'd come on up, and Tori has some, some information to share with us on that conference. All right, good morning. I actually have two things to share. First is the IF Gathering. That will be on March 15th and 16th uh, from 6 to about 10-ish on that Friday and then 8 a.m. to around noon on Saturday. I want to highlight that this is going to be kind of a condensed version of IF. One of the feedback that we got the last time we did IF was that it was a really long conference. And so we are kind of taking out some of the things that we don't feel like we really need in there. um, And we're going to focus on the main things, and that's Jesus. And so there's going to be worship, there's going to be teaching, fellowship, there's also going to be some chance for you, a chance for you just to kind of sit with the Lord um, and hang out with him for a bit on your own. So it's going to be a really good event, and I'm very excited for it. Um, you can sign up for the IF Gathering by following that QR code in your bulletin or going to our First Church website. Um, and if you could uh, sign up soon, like really soon. That way we can get a solid number for food and for supplies and all of that. Um, That would be very helpful for us. So if you need help with that, please see me or talk to Connie in the office um, and we can get you signed up. So that's the first announcement. The second announcement that I have is really, really exciting. It's for our kids. Vacation Bible School is coming and our curriculum arrived. And this year, We will be uh, cruising the seven seas, and what that means is the seven seas of Scripture, which is creation, corruption, catastrophe, confusion, Christ, cross, and consummation. So our kids are going to be cruising throughout the entire Bible this year at uh, at VBS, and it's all jungle theme. So this this building is going to be transformed into a jungle, and it's going to be really cool. I'm excited. So uh, Vacation Bible School is June 3rd through the 7th this year, and you can volunteer now if you want. I know that it's still, Feb- is it still February? Yeah, it's still February. So you can, you can sign up early too if you want, and you don't have to wait for me to ask you um, if you want to volunteer. But if you would like to, please see me. We will have registration forms out sooner rather than later, and it will be here before we know it. So mark your calendars and make sure that your kids are here. Thank you. Thank you, Tori, for all you do for us and and those activities you highlighted. We will now have our greeting time.
Once again, welcome to First Church. Whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook, we are blessed that you chose to worship with us. I hope you feel God's love and presence while you worship with us this morning. We will now have our call to worship. Those that are standing, you can remain standing. For those seated, if you would please rise and join me. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most trustworthy of praise, his gratefulness to fathom. One generation commends your work to another, and they tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyful sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich to love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell you of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises, and faithful in all he does. The Lord up all, all who fall, and lifts all who are down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise, Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Let us now join the praise team, worshiping our Lord and singing three songs. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, gratitude, and I love you, Lord.
Father, we come before you this morning thankful. Thank you for bringing us together to worship you. Lord, we could spend hours thanking and praising you, and it still wouldn't even scratch the surface of how grateful we are for you. God, we love you, and worshiping you is a gift. Father, I pray that as we begin this new sermon series this morning, that you will guide us into your truth. God, thank you that we can know truth and that we can stand firm on your truth. God, we know that truth is a person, and it's in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth. Father, I pray that you would guide us into your truth. Help us to know you better. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to stand firm on you and in your truth when the world around us is believing lies. Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts on the lies that we're believing in our own lives, too. Help us to fully submit ourselves in everything that we believe to you to make sure that we are standing on your truth no matter what heavenly father we lift up those on the cares and concerns list this morning lord you know what each person needs and you know how to meet their needs according to your will and so we ask that you would work in their lives and in the situations father we also pray for anyone this morning that's struggling we know that there are so many that are carrying burdens and heavy loads that we don't see or we don't know about And we ask that you would be with them this morning. Cover them in your love and in your peace. And I pray that they would experience you today. God, we thank you for this morning. I pray for Pastor Joel as he starts this sermon series that you would help him to, you would guide his words, Lord. That you would open our hearts to the words that he has for us, that you've put on his heart, and that we would receive them, Lord. We ask that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit as we continue to worship you today. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. And at this time, the kids can come forward for children's chat. Yeah, that's 
Scoot over. There you go. Good morning. Oh, you got to come over here so you can see what's going on. Over here. All right. We all awake this morning. Yes. Do you know what this is? Map? You don't see them very often, do you? Hmm? Yep. This is a map of Ohio. Woo! Now, because when they travel, they like to be able to see where they're going. How many of your dads or moms like to use these kind of maps? Yeah, they're kind of hard to find almost, aren't they? So, let's see. What other things can tell you where to go when you're traveling? GPS. What what do they call your GPS in your car? Different names. We call her Susie. And sometimes we call her other things. (laughs) But we won't discuss that here. Susie does what? Tells you where to go. And where does she find that out from? A satellite. Way up there. Oops, I guess I have to do it this way. And so Susie says she gets up to an intersection and she'll go, turn right, turn right. You know how to really aggravate her? Turn left. And what does she go? Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Now, oh, no internet. Okay. Anyway, I was going to show you a map of the United States and all the roads in the United States. And there's a lot of roads and you can get lost really, really easy. So we either rely on a paper map or a GPS. Now, what would they use in Jesus' time? They would learn from each other, wouldn't they? They would learn where they had to go from other people. Well, at the Last Supper, Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to leave. And they wanted to know where he was going. They just, they just didn't understand it yet. As much as he had lived with them and talked with them about God and heaven, they just didn't understand about Jesus. So one of the disciples, whose name was Thomas, said, We don't know where you're going, Lord, because Jesus told him, I am going to prepare a place for you, and when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you always be with me. Jesus was talking about heaven, because that place in heaven has a lot of rooms for everybody, doesn't it? Well, Thomas says, We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? How can we know the way to heaven? Hmm? Right, 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 and left. Well, we go past the satellite, way past the satellite. Jesus says, and you're going to hear this again today, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Who's the Father? God, except through me. So Jesus is the way. Another disciple named Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. You know what Jesus told him? He says, I've been with you all this time, and you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Just believe. That I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And anyone who believes in me will do the same things I have done. So he's talking about he is the way to God. That all the disciples needed to know was the right path to the Father. Now sometimes you run in the crossroads. You know what crossroads are? Hmm? It's where you've got a road that you can't quite tell where you're going. Sometimes they call them a maze. You like to do mazes where you have to find out how to get to the other corner? I've got some over there. 
talks about children finding their way to Jesus. And sometimes what happens? You run into a block. And you can't get past that. So what do you have to do? Back up, look at it again, and then go around the other side. So how you and I find our way is through our own GPS called the Bible. That's God's perfect spirit. This is where the directions are. This is better than any GPS knew how to be. This tells us what we need to do. We maybe didn't see Jesus like Thomas and Philip did. But we know that through God's holy word, that, and that's our GPS, that we can get, he can get us on the right path, can he? So we run into a blockage and we can't figure out which way to go. Where do we look? Bible. That's right. So what's the only way to God? What's the only way to God? The Bible. The Bible through Jesus. And this is so cool. Who can read that? Jesus. One way. The one way to Jesus. You want to keep that? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son to provide the way to eternal life. Thank you for your holy word, which will keep us on the path, the right path, in our journey through life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can head back to your seats. Thanks, Carolyn, for that wonderful children's chat. As the choir comes forward, I want to take a moment and remind you of what our offering is for this morning. You heard Pastor Tori talk during the announcements about VBS coming up. And yes, it is just February, but June will be here before we know it. And so we are uh, collecting our offering this morning to support the work of VBS. Uh, We do our VBS with uh, the Methodist Church here in town, a community VBS, and we're looking forward to uh, ministering alongside them again this year as we uh, reach the children in our community and the surrounding communities with the gospel. So I invite you to give as you feel led to give this morning. And let me ask the Lord to bless this offering this morning and further the work of his kingdom. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. We pray now, Lord God, that as we give of, our, uh, give of ourselves, Lord, and give of our resources, we ask that you would bless it to further the work of your kingdom through Vacation Bible School. And we pray, Lord God, that you would multiply this gift so that we can reach many, many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I invite the deacons to come forward at this time. Thank you. 
scripture readings come from John 14, verse 6, and John 17, verse 17, which are on pages 1081 and 1084 in your pew Bibles. John 14, verse 6 reads, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, verse 17 reads, Sanctify them by the truth. Your truth, your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father God, as we open up your word together this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in us and through us. Help us to understand it rightly and help us to apply it rightly to our lives. We ask that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As you heard mentioned already today, as you can see in your bulletin, we are starting a new sermon series today. This one's going to be short. We're going to be taking time the next four Sundays to look at a a four different kind of big ideas that are important for us to talk about as Christians because the way that we should view them is going to be different or at odds with the way the culture as a whole, the world as a whole understands them. So I've entitled this sermon series, Crossroads, this idea that, that as Christians, we stand at an intersection and we have a choice. We can follow the way of the world. We can follow the ways that the, the world says we should live or the ways the culture says we should live, or we can choose to follow Christ. We can walk down that path that Christ leads us on and, and understand our lives and, and our faith and our world in light of who he is and what he has done for us. And so today we're starting with a very fundamental idea. We're going to talk about truth and how important it is for us to know what is true and how we can know what is true, because this is going to help us understand everything else that we talk about throughout this week or throughout this month. We live in a, what we can call a post-truth culture, don't we? We live in a society where what is true, what is factually true, isn't really as important as how those truths or how those statements might make a person feel or what is convenient, right? And so we live in a post-truth culture where the actual facts aren't as important as how convenient they are to our story or how convenient they are to the position that we hold. And we see how this has Um, affected our lives and our culture, our debates, our perspectives on things, right? So what is true is no longer what is factually true, but what is spoken the loudest, right? Or, or what is, what makes me feel good or makes me feel right, then that is true to me. And add on top of that, this rise of artificial intelligence and and we've seen how that's impacted our lives these last you know this last year or so with the rise of chat gpt and the the kind of technologies that come out of that right there's it's much more difficult to know what is true what is right because of how easy it is for technology like ai to manipulate the truth and manipulate the facts 
So we live in a post-truth culture, but we as Christians cannot be post-truth. We need to make sure we are solidly grounded in what is true, what is right, what is good. And so it's important for us to know that truth can be known. Truth can be applied because it's grounded in the nature and the character of God. So what is true is not just what is convenient for me. What is true is not just what helps me advance in my career. But what is true is grounded in the very nature and character of God. And so there's four things that we can, we can learn from this. And obviously a topic like truth Right? There's a lot that we're not going to be able to say today in the time that we have. Right? I can't cover everything that is true or every aspect of truth for us. And so I'm going to focus on four things for us to understand. And I'm going to give them to you up front and then we're going to break down each one of them. So the first thing that we can know, because truth is grounded in the nature and character of God, truth is absolute and not relative. The second thing we can know is that truth is observable, not hidden. The third thing is that truth is revealed, not created. And fourth, truth is sanctifying, not self-serving. So I'll repeat those again as we go along here today. But let's start with the first one. Truth is absolute, not relative. We've all heard this idea of relative truth, haven't we? That what is true is just based on our circumstances or our culture or even how we feel on any given day. Right? We've all heard statements like, what is true for you may not be truth. Right? Those are all statements that, that teach us that truth is relative by nature. That truth is, may change depending on the person or the situation or the culture that you're in. But the Bible teaches us that truth is not relative. It is absolute because it is grounded in the unchanging character of God. Think again about Jesus' statement you heard read a couple times already today from John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the truth. He doesn't say, I have the truth or I'm going to tell you the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. In other words, truth is grounded in the very nature and character of who Jesus is. And by extension, because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, the very nature and character of God himself. And we know that God does not change, right? Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if truth is grounded in the character of God and God's character doesn't change, well, guess what? Truth doesn't change either. In Psalm 102, verse 27, the psalmist is speaking to the Lord and he says, You, Lord, remain the same. We can have confidence that truth is absolute, that it is unchanging because God is unchanging as well. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains the same. Therefore, truth is an absolute reality. Not only does God not change, right, but he's also omniscient, which means he contains all knowledge. God knows all things. For example, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10 Again, that's Isaiah 46, 8 through 10. He says this, Remember this and keep it in mind. Take to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. That's a pretty powerful statement if you think about it. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things before they come to pass. And he certainly is not one to change. And so let's let's think about the implications of those two realities, right? If God does not change and he contains all knowledge, therefore truth, God is, excuse me, if God is truth and he contains all knowledge, then anyone who seeks the truth is going to eventually find truth. God. Now let me, let me clarify this, right? If God is truth and he contains all knowledge, all honest and earnest truth seeking will eventually find their way to God. We should not fear honest questions. We should not fear honest curiosity, even honest doubt, because if people are honestly and earnestly seeking the truth, 
as Christians, we believe that they will find the Lord. Now we must have to understand that statement about honest, right? Because there's a lot of dishonest truth seeking, isn't there? There's a lot of uh, uh, bad faith truth seekers out there. But if someone is honestly seeking the truth, and if we believe that God is the truth and contains all knowledge, they will find him. It's important to note that truth here, in, in Jesus' statement, he's, he's saying, I am the truth. In other words, truth is an embodied truth. The incarnate Son of God has made truth known to us through the person of Jesus Christ. So much of our information intake these days is, is, through a, is mediated through a screen, isn't it? Through social media, through our television sets, through videos that we see. And as I already said, we have, there, there's, the technology has come so far that it is increasingly difficult to know what is true and what is not true when we observe everything through a screen. Technology is good, but it is also good at fooling us, isn't it? Digital content can easily be altered or erased in a moment's notice. I don't know how many of you watched the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, but the halftime show was Usher, and he had Alicia Keys as a featured guest. And as Alicia Keys began her song, uh, she hit a sour note. Now, I know what hitting a sour note is like because that's pretty much all I sing are sour notes, right? But as she's singing this song, she didn't quite hit the right note. But here's the interesting thing. Go to YouTube, look up the halftime performance, and that uh, performance by Alicia Keys, it's been erased. Not erased, it's been altered, excuse me. They've dubbed over her live performance where she hit the wrong note with a corrected version of it. So if you go back and search a live performance, it's no longer what you witnessed at the Super Bowl halftime show. It is something that has been already altered and changed to make her look better and and erase the mistake that was made during the live performance. It's important for us to, to learn to step out from behind our screens every once in a while, isn't it? Truth is an embodied truth. It's, it's made known to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And so it's important that we also step out from behind our screens and interact with people in real life, in real time. One more thing before we move on. Truth, if truth is absolute, that means it is universally true for all of us. Truth is not dependent on context. It's not dependent on circumstances or culture or even our own feelings. If something is true, then it is true for me and it is true for you and it is true for someone living on the other side of the world. Truth is universal for all people at all times. Think about gravity, right? Nobody can just decide one day to not believe in gravity and start floating up into the air, right? Gravity is true for all people at all times, no matter where you are. It is a fact and law of nature. It is not something you can choose to disbelieve and choose not to follow. In the same way, truth is universally true for all people at all times. We need to move on. Truth is absolute, but truth is also observable, not just hidden. There's a story of a group of blind men who were shown an elephant And each person, because they couldn't see, they decided to try to feel the elephant, right, in order to determine what it is and what its purpose is. And and one of the blind men felt the the legs of the elephant, and they said, well, it must be something like a, a large tree trunk. Another one felt the side of the elephant and thought, this must be a strong and sturdy wall. Another one felt the trunk and thought, this must be some sort of large snake, because they felt the trunk and it had that snake like shape. Each blind man felt a different part of the elephant and came to a different conclusion as to what the purpose and function of an elephant was. Now, people often use this parable as an example of how truth can be relative and can also be hidden. But there's two important things we must note and not fall for that trick because it sounds legitimate. The first thing we must know is that truth It's not relative because there is an objectively true elephant creature known as an elephant that each one of these people are experiencing. Yes, they're only experiencing in a part, but just because they only experience part of the truth doesn't mean that the whole truth doesn't exist. There's an objectively true creature known as an elephant that can be observed, that can be uh, compared to 
The second thing is, in this parable, not everybody is blind. There's an outside observer, namely the narrator of the parable. You and I know that there is a real creature known as an elephant that these blind men are trying to uh, grope out and feel, right, in, in this parable. And so, yes, these men are blind. They don't see the whole picture, but there is an objective perspective where the truth can be known. So the truth is not relative, but therefore the truth is also not hidden. It is observable the truth from us. Yet he makes his truth known. For example, in Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter 1, God makes this very clear that he makes himself known in nature. Verses 18 through 20 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness, godlessness, and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what is known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. See, God makes himself known and, and God through, through his creation, through his word, so that we can know the truth. To say that the truth is hidden and unknowable goes against what God has made known to us. Now, I have a science background. Many of you know that when I first went to college, my plan was to be a high school physics teacher. That was my desire. That's where I felt like God was leading me. And so I have a heart for science and for things of, you know, the, the scientific process. And, and here's the interesting thing about the scientific method, right? Historically speaking, science would not be possible without, the, without faith and belief in an unchanging, absolute God. Science would not be possible without the belief that we have that God is unchanging, that God is good, and that God has made himself known through creation. God is orderly. He's consistent. And therefore, the created world can be observed, can be studied, can be understood. That what we observe in nature is not just at the the whim of some capricious deity, right? But that God is a God of order. God is consistent. God is, can be known. And so therefore, therefore, the scientific method of observing creation and drawing conclusions from it is based on this Christian principle of who God is. And so one of the ways that we can know truth about God and his creation is by pursuing scientific study to the glory of God. Science can answer the how, not the why, but honest scientific study will reveal God's glory. That's why passages like Psalm 19 exist, right? The heavens declare the glory of God, right? We as, as believers should be able to look out into creation and see God's glory on display. And I believe the more we honestly and earnestly seek the Lord in that, the greater our appreciation for God and the greater our understanding of Him will become. Because truth is observable. observable. He has not hidden it from us. And it's not just science either. It can be art. It can be literature. It can be music. It can be gardening, right? There's lots of ways that God has made himself known in creation. And we can pursue beauty and truth and God's character in all of that. So truth is absolute. Truth is observable. And the third thing we see here is that truth is revealed, not created. Truth is not found on the path of self-discovery. It's not a, a reality that we can create for ourselves, like some sort of choose-your-own-adventure book, right? You know what I'm talking about there, right? Those books where you, you come to a point and you can choose which way to go, and you've got to flip to page 19 for one example or flip to page 25 for another. But that's not the way truth works. It's not a choose-your-own-adventure story where we can make it up as we go. Truth has been made known to us through Christ and His Word. That's why John 17, 17 says, well, excuse me, first of all, we see that that truth is revealed in the person of Jesus. Scripture clearly says in Hebrews 1, 3 that, that Jesus is the glory of God, the exact representation of His being. In Colossians 1, 15, He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if we want to see what God is like, if we want to see what truth is, 
what the truth really is. All we have to do is look to the person and the life and the work of Jesus. Jesus reveals who God is, and he also reveals who we are meant to be in relation to God. God has also given us his word. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, your word is truth. The Bible helps us to make sense of God, ourselves, and this world that we live in. And I love that Carolyn had the analogy of a map. I read a book once that talked about how, how um, understanding our, our walk with Christ in terms of being a, a ship at sea. Sailors who are trying to navigate the seas need to be able to look to the North Star, right? And Jesus is our North Star, that fixed point that makes sense of everything else around us. Jesus is our North Star. He's the destination. He's the one we are, we are striving to move towards. And the Bible is like our compass. It points us in the right direction. It keeps us oriented towards Jesus. The truth of his scripture helps us to understand who Jesus is and who we are in relation to him. And the important thing about a compass <clears throat> compared to looking at the Bible as like, say, example, an owner's manual or something like that, is a compass is a necessary and consistent tool you need to use or else you get lost. If you put your compass away and decide, I don't need this anymore, you're going to quickly find yourself lost at sea or lost in the woods. An owner's manual is something you only pull out every once in a while when you need it. When something's going wrong, you pull it out, you read it over, you put it back on the shelf. But a compass is something that we constantly need to depend on in order to keep going in the right direction. And that's what God's word is for us. It is our compass that points us to the true north, to Christ at all times. We can say that scripture is inspired, it's inerrant, it's authoritative, it is sufficient. I want to quickly define those terms for you. To say that God's word is inspired means that it is given by God to us. It's a work of God. To say that it is inerrant is that it is without error in what it intends to communicate. It does not make mistakes. God's word is authoritative. It has the power and right to correct us when we're going astray. And God's word is sufficient. It contains everything we need for salvation. So we want to know the truth. The truth has been made known to us through Jesus and through his word. Now the Bible is not going to give us a clear, straightforward to every problem we face in life. For example, the Bible says nothing about artificial intelligence. You're not going to be able to do a quick search and find something about artificial intelligence in the Bible. But the wisdom, the principles, the understanding of who God is and who we are and how the world works is found here. And we can take that wisdom and apply it to whatever situation we find ourselves in. God's word is inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and sufficient. And finally, God's truth is sanctifying and not self-serving. People today have a very loose relationship with the truth, just when it's convenient for them, when it maybe helps them along. We seek the truth when it's convenient and only when it reinforces what we already believe to be true. Social media can be like an echo chamber, can't it? We just, we just keep here being reinforced with the same thing over and over again, just, just reinforcing what we already believe. But truth is not just self-serving, right? It is going to confront us with the ways that we are wrong and the ways that we have fallen short. And the reason why Scripture does that, the reason why God does that in our lives through Scripture and through the, the work of His Holy Spirit is so that we can become more like Jesus. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, Your word, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means to make holy, to sue truth just for truth's sake. We pursue, we pursue truth because it points us to Jesus and it makes him known and it makes us more like him. The more we seek truth, the more truth is going to change us from the inside out. It's going to transform us to be more like Jesus. In fact, Jesus once said, the truth will set you free. Romans 12.2 says that we need to no longer be conformed by the, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to allow the truth of God's word 
of who Jesus is to transform us, to make us more and more like him. As God's people were just about to enter the promised land, as they were standing on the edge of the Jordan, about to cross over, God spoke to Joshua, this new leader who had just taken over the mantle from Joseph. And he tells him in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all my law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The call that God had placed before his people as they stood on the edge of the Jordan is the same that he puts before us now to, to meditate on his word, to not stray far from it. What does it mean to meditate on his word? It means to, to think deeply about it, to study it, to know it. In Philippians 4.8, Paul says, you know, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is right, think about those sorts of things, right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to, to set our minds on God and his word. And when we do that, he is going to transform us from the inside out. God's word is going to help us to see our need for him, that we are sinners in need of a savior, and that Jesus is the savior that we need, that we need to turn from the ways that we have, the, the patterns that we have set for ourselves, the patterns that the world has put before us, and begin to live according to his way, to acknowledge our need for him. And so doing the truth will sanctify us it is not self-serving now before i wrap up i do have one more note i want to make here and this is this is specifically to parents in there who are who are raising children or, or perhaps people that work with young people your children are going to need to see this sort of truth-seeking christ-centered sanctification modeled in their lives. They need to know what this looks like and you are the person to model it for them. We need to prepare our children to wrestle with the big questions of life and we need to help them to do that now. We can't shelter our kids forever. They are going to wrestle with these questions one way or another. And so I encourage you to wrestle with them together, right? Talk about these things. Know that the world, right, this world that we've been talking about, it's not as far out there as we like to think it is. It is right at our fingertips with the technology that we have, right? The questions, the, the, the self-serving, um, this, the self-serving, relative, uh, hidden, and, and created truth is right there at their fingertips, Our children have access to things that will bring many questions and potential answers right at their fingertips. And if they're not seeking answers from you, they're finding them somewhere else. So I encourage you to be proactive. Don't shy away from those hard questions, but invite those conversations. Invite them with humility. And choose to wrestle with them together and point your children towards the Lord. We don't need to go find ourselves somewhere else. We need to find ourselves in his word. Because Jesus is the truth. And all people who honestly and earnestly seek the truth will find him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you, your word is truth. That you, Jesus, are the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. Help us, Lord God, to put our trust in you at all times, to not follow the ways of this world, but to find, to put our hope in you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing our closing song together.
Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.